Okay, so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gathered us together, Lord, to meditate on your word and be able to apply it in our life. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of uh, Sister May, Brother Aaron, and David. And uh, I pray that you will help them, Lord, to learn a lot, Lord, from your word. And those people who are not able to join us tonight, Lord, be with them, keep them safe, as they are also busy with all their um, activities, either in school or at work, oh Lord. So be with us now, Lord. May your word um, pierce our hearts and move us, oh Lord, into applying, Lord, the, the lessons you're going to learn uh, from your word. May you be exalted in our midst, and we pray that as we continue to live their difficult but um, enjoyable also uh, Christian life, uh, we'll be able to um, to um, love you more and love also our brothers and sisters in Christ. And more than that, Lord, help us also to love the lost so that we will um, preach the good news to them also. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Right. So we're continuing our study of the book of Colossians. So lesson 6 tonight, our topic is learning to walk. We'll be covering verses 6 to 15 of this chapter. And last week, as um, we have uh, learned, uh, the Apostle Paul talked about the importance of ministry. Okay? And when we talk about ministry, it talks about um, serving other people. And then when we serve other people, there's a need for diligence. Uh, sometimes the Bible would use the word laboring. Okay? So that means uh, when we serve other people, there's there are some challenges and struggles, just like what the Apostle Paul um, experienced uh, during his ministry. And as we can remember, the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote this book to the Colossians. Okay? So keep that always in mind when we study this book and as he continues to gives, give us principles and lessons from, from the Word of God, help us remember, uh, may God help us always to remember that the Apostle Paul was not in a very ideal situation compared to any one of us. Okay? So tonight, we're going to look at the importance of walking. Okay? And when we talk about walking in the Bible, we talk about our life as Christians. It's the way we conduct our life. It involves our attitudes, our behavior, our um, actions, okay? especially after we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So when we walk, we understand that we, when we um, were young uh, children, when we were probably infants or before we become toddlers, we are not able to walk, right? But as, as soon as we grow up, we get older, we eat some, some other food rather than just milk like meat and bread and some other things, we learn how to walk. And ultimately, all throughout our life until we pass on from this world, we are still walking. So the same concept is also being conveyed by the Apostle Paul to any one of us regarding our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, our life 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our walk does not only involve a one-time event. It's not only for a few months or a few years, but involves all throughout our life as Christians until we pass on from this world and meet our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. So the lesson for us this evening will be about walking with Christ all throughout our life. We don't stop walking. We keep on moving and doing what the Lord wants us to do for His kingdom. So the main point here in our passage is this. God is calling us to grow in our walk with Christ. So that's one thing that, that's very important, to grow, to improve, to increase in our walk or our life with Christ. Uh, and the purpose is to strengthen our faith, okay? to make our faith stronger in Him, to make our faith more dependent on Him as we grow. And that's very ironic, actually, um, in Christianity. Uh, you know, in the world, they think, they think that in order for you to be strong, you need to be less dependent on others and more independent, right? So that means you become uh, more um, independent or more mature when you are not relying on other people. But in, in Christianity, it's always the opposite. In Christianity, you become more mature when you become more and more dependent on our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's one of the reasons why we need to grow in our walk, to strengthen our faith. And secondly also, in Him only, we can find our fulfillment. So the word fulfillment here is satisfaction or contentment. So the only way that we can fully be fulfilled and satisfied and be content is only through Christ. We cannot find our fulfillment in our career, in our profession, in our achievements, uh, in the people that we have relationships with. It's only through Christ that we can have complete fulfillment in life. So that's very important. Our growing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ can strengthen our faith and we can find our fulfillment in Him. Okay, so let's go to verses 6 and 7. I'll be reading all the verses, so just follow along with your Bibles. So in verse 6 to 7, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Colossian believers and also all of us to deepen our intimacy with Christ. Okay, so let's go to verse 6. Okay, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So here, the Apostle Paul is reminding the Colossian believers, um, call into mind that point in, in your life wherein you have first accepted or received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To think about that, your walk with Him should always be like that. You're intimate with Him when you received Jesus Christ in the past, so remain intimate with Him. So the first thing that we need to do in order to be deepening in our intimacy or our relationship with Christ is to be grounded. Okay? To be grounded in what? To be grounded in Jesus Christ alone. So the first part of verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in Him. Okay? So the word rooted here means to be grounded. So imagine yourself, you're a tree and you have your because if we are at, if we are trees, we have roots, we have uh, stems and branches and fruits also, right? But all those things will not have uh, adequate nourishment if the roots are not extending 
way below the ground. And of course, as we are being grounded in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that means also that we are being more rooted in Him. That means we are extending our roots to Him and Him alone. And remember, roots are always looking for water because the water is the nourishment of the tree. So remember, Jesus Christ is also our water. He is the source of our nourishment. His word is our food. So in that way, we are being grounded. We are being rooted. And then when we are rooted, we are also being built up. Or uh, in some um, theological terms, it also means to be edified. Okay? The picture here is like a, a building, okay? an architectural structure. So when our roots are being grounded and deeply rooted okay, in the Lord Jesus Christ, then it will help our stems, our branches, and also help us, Lord, help us to develop fruit in our life. So that's what it means by being built up. We are growing. We're not remaining stagnant. Okay? Not just having roots and stems, but we are, we're having branches and then fruits also. Okay? So we are being called to be grounded. And that's one way of deepening our intimacy with Christ. We're also called to be growing. Okay? So it says here, established in the faith as you have been taught. Okay? Established in the faith as you have been taught. So the word establishing means firmly grounded, firmly immovable, cannot be shaken, cannot be moved. What are the things that can move us or shake us in our faith, in our walk with God? Of course, those are trials. Those are problems, struggles, challenges, which could be um, economic or financial, mental, physical, and of course, most importantly, spiritual challenges. But if we are completely grounded in Christ, we, if we are intimate with Christ, we are always depending on Him at all times, even in some small areas of our life, not only in the big areas of our life, then we can be growing. We can be established in the faith. And Paul said here, as you have been taught. Okay, So we are not just be, being established in the faith just by our own teaching. Some people taught us the Word of God teaches us. And remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay? So the Word of God is the number one source of our nourishment, of our growth. That's why we always emphasize that we need to be always studying, meditating, and also memorizing and applying, of course, the Word of God. So someone needs to teach us. We cannot just teach teach ourselves. That's why we have pastors, we have teachers, and we have some other people around us who teach us the Word of God. Okay. So in order to be established in the faith, we have been taught okay, by the Word of God. Then Next one, we are also called to be grateful. So verse 7 says, Abounding therein with thanksgiving. So the word abounding here is very good, very important. The word abound means to overflow okay, with thanksgiving. So that means we do not only give thanks for uh, big things in our life, but also we give thanks to the Lord also in the smaller things of, of our life. Even 
being able to wake up in the morning, being able to breathe fresh air is also one thing that we need to thank God. It doesn't need to be miracles for us to, to be thankful to the Lord. So gratefulness is so important as we deepen our intimacy with Christ. So in summary, in these verses 6 and 7, in order to deepen our intimacy, we are called to be grounded, okay? to deepen our roots towards Christ. We are called also to be growing. That means that we are not only um, learning the basic doctrines or teachings of Christianity, but we're going deeper in the other more important doctrines or teachings from the Word of God. And lastly, being grateful is so important. Because if, if we are grounded, if we are growing, then that will result into gratefulness or thanksgiving unto the Lord. And secondly, in verses 8 to 10, we must denounce the insufficiency of Christ. Okay, Verses 8 to 10. In verse 8, it says here, Beware, okay, so the Apostle Paul is warning the Colossian believers, Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So he was talking about false teachings here. Okay? So what are the false teachings? First, the philosophy. The philosophy here is a reference to human principles or teachings. Of course, we know that even nowadays, there are some human principles or teachings that are also biblical. So the Apostle Paul was talking about human principles or teachings that are not biblical or not in tune with the Word of God. So, that's why he said, these philosophies, which are human teachings that are not biblical, they tend to deceive us. Okay? So, he says the word here, philosophy and vain deceit. Okay? So, that word vain means empty. And the word deceit is a reference to these teachings leading, leading people astray or leading them away from Jesus Christ and then towards the world or towards the enemy, Satan. So, how can we know that a, a teaching is false if it leads us away from the Lord, if it leads us away from understanding the Word of God or anything that leads us away from Christianity, from the true teachings of Christianity, is a false teaching. Okay? And not only that, it it's also after the tradition of men. Okay? So, this tradition of men refers to human thinking or high-sounding nonsense. Okay? So, there are so many traditions of men right now. For example, um, you need to um, wear... Um, formal dresses, okay, on, uh, for example, Sunday morning, that you need to have um, coat and then tie and and leather shoes when you attend a worship service. But we know that do, that is not in the Bible because the Bible says and tells us that when you attend services, you just have to dress modestly. That means it's appropriate, it's not very luxurious. It's not very extravagant. But something that will be appropriate for the occasion. And something that will not cause other people to sin because of your uh, way of dressing. Okay? Or your or the, clothes, the clothes that you are wearing. Another um, 
tradition of men is um, praying, repetitive prayers. You know, most um, religions right now and so-called churches in the world, they have memorized prayers. And, and you know, the Bible tells us in the Gospels that repetitive or memorized prayers are not pleasing to the Lord because they are not meant to be repetitive. Prayer should be sincere and honest, and that should be coming from the heart of the individual. Because memorized prayers are just memorized prayers. They are not really from the heart. They are like traditions of men. And so many other traditions that may cause us to stray away from Christianity. Okay, And then also in verse 8, we see here that false teachings deny Christ. Okay, Because it says here in verse 8, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Okay, The rudiments of the world refers to the principles of the world. You know, the principles of the world, the world are always contrary or opposed to biblical teachings. The world will say, follow the flow, follow the majority, rather than follow what God is telling us to do. Okay, So that's the way of the world, and we should not follow that. There are so many things that the world tells us that are contrary to the teachings of the Bible. And they are not after Christ. They deny Christ. And that's why, remember, I told you before, the Colossians, the, the, this book to the Colossians, are, uh, uh, was written by the Apostle Paul in order to tell the Colossian believers that Jesus Christ is God who came into flesh and that He is powerful that He is sufficient for all of us in order to fulfill all our needs, not only the physical, but also the spiritual needs of every individual believer. That's why these false teachings that the Apostle Paul was talking about, they are not talking about Christ, but instead they are denying the importance of Christ. Okay, so next one here, false teaching edifies us and exalts Christ. Okay, so look at verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means, that means for in Christ lives all the fullness of God. Okay, so in Jesus Christ, you see the presence of the Father and also the Holy Spirit because remember, they belong to the Trinity. They belong to the one Godhead. And in Jesus Christ, we are sufficient. Verse 10 says, You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And that's very important. We are complete. You are complete in Him. You don't need any person or anything in order to make you complete or satisfied. You only need Jesus Christ to satisfy yourself. Because remember, even those um, millionaires and billionaires right now all over the world, even if they have all the money in the world, all the toys in the world, they can never say that I, they are truly satisfied. Actually, they are never satisfied. Why? Because we know that those things that they have right now are material things. And material things will not provide complete satisfaction in our life. And we know that those material things will soon vanish. They will perish. They can be stolen. They can be consumed, but our personal relationship with Jesus Christ can never be extinguished. 
by anything else in this world. That's why we are complete in Christ. So when we are adhering to faithful teachings, true teachings from the Word of God, that causes us to be built up. That's why I put here, it edifies us. It helps us to be um, built up, to be growing, just as the intention of Jesus Christ for each one of us. And not only that, when we are built up, it also lifts up the name of Christ in our midst. Because when we are being built up, we become thankful and we are able to declare to other people that it's Jesus Christ who makes us complete and satisfied. Okay, So it's very important for us to recognize what false teachings are and what is the true teaching. Of course, the most important thing to understand is that true teachings are only from the Word of God. If we listen to anybody that are not teaching from the Word of God, but or perhaps they are reading the Bible, but they are completely giving you an incorrect interpretation of the Word of God, then those are false teachers. We need to adhere to the true teachings of the Bible as it is in our King James Bible. Okay, so next one, the last one. It is also important in our walk not only to deepen our intimacy and also to, to be devoted, okay, and to know between false teachings and true teachings, but also thirdly, we need to define our identity in Christ. So here in verse 11 to 15, we see here the importance of understanding who we are in Christ. Because many young people right now, and also some adults also, have some doubts uh, with their identity in Christ. Uh, some young people are experiencing mental health um, deterioration and issues because even though some of them are so-called Christians, they don't truly understand who they are in Christ and what Jesus Christ had given them as Christians, as people who have personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's very important for us and also for the Colossian believers, according to Paul, to know their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 11, it says here, In whom, okay, referring to Jesus Christ, also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, Three times we talk about the word circumcised here. So here in verse 11, we see that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who circumcised our hearts. The word circumcised here is not the physical circumcision that the Jewish um, culture would do on the uh, males in their Jewish, um, Jewish nation. Right? The word circumcised here is a spiritual circumcision. And we know here that this circumcision is about the putting off the sins of the flesh. So that means the cutting away of our sinful nature. So when we talk about circumcision um, in the physical realm, in the medical world, it talks about surgery, a physical surgery, a removal of um, the, the physical aspect of the male organ. But in the spiritual realm, which is the Apostle Paul is talking about here, he said, he, he circumcised our hearts. Okay, Because it says in verse 11, 
in this circumcision is made without hands, without human hands. It's a spiritual circumcision. It's a spiritual change. It's a spiritual surgery. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did when He saved us. He did not only forgive our sins, but He changed our nature. Our sinful nature right now becomes a righteous nature. The old nature is gone, although sometimes it tends to come back when we go back to our sinful lifestyle. But God has changed our hearts. God has changed our lives. Before, our hearts are made of stone, but now our hearts are, are made of flesh. Made of flesh because our hearts are already sensitive to the Lord's um, message. Our hearts are already sensitive because we are now able to love God rather than hate Him. We are able to respond to His love and we are able to worship Him. So that's why our hearts right now are hearts of flesh rather than hearts of stone. So Jesus Christ changed our hearts. He did a spiritual surgery in our hearts. Okay, And how did He do that? It says in verse 11, He put off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So He cut away the sinful nature. He removed it never to be taken back because we have been given a new nature. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? So all things are passed away. Everything has become new in each one of us. And then in verse 12 to 13, our identity in Christ is also supported by Jesus Christ conquering death. So because Jesus Christ conquered death, we will no longer die spiritually. We still die physically, but we no longer die spiritually because we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So in verse 12, it says here, We are buried with Him in baptism, wherein also we are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised Him from the dead. So here in verse 12, the Apostle Paul reminds us of our Baptism. There are two kinds of baptism in the Bible. The baptism that we have, the physical baptism that we have after our salvation is only an illustration of what happened to us spiritually the moment we accepted and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So the spiritual baptism, which is the, the, the moment wherein we trusted in Jesus Christ, we are put by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. So we, we become part of God's kingdom. We become sons and daughters of the living God through our acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior when we are saved the first time. okay. So that's in, instantaneous. That's a one-time event. That's the spiritual baptism. But later on, after we are saved, we want to express our identification with Christ, telling people that we are also we are Christians and that we want to follow Christ in His footsteps. So that's what we do in our physical baptism, the baptism of immersion. But essentially here, the Apostle Paul was talking about the spiritual baptism that we have. And when we are spiritually baptized, when we 
have the Holy Spirit living in us, we are we're no longer dead spiritually because the Holy Spirit makes us alive. The King James Bible says, He quickens us. So, He makes us alive. Okay? So, and that is only through the faith of the operation of God. That means, when we trusted the mighty power of God, that's what happened. Death has been conquered. Our sins have been forgiven. Our hearts have been circumcised. We have become new creatures in Christ. And in verse 13, You being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of our flesh, has He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So that's where you will get the word quickened. Okay? So we were made alive. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that means we also will be rising from the dead. Okay? When we die, when we pass on from this world, the Lord Jesus Christ will resurrect or raise each one of us uh, during the time of the rapture. Okay, so in verses 13 and 14, the Lord Jesus Christ also canceled our debt. Okay, so the last part of verse 13 says, Having forgiven you all trespasses, then 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What, what does that mean? First and foremost, he canceled the record of the charges. So that's what happens. The handwriting ordinances that was against us, that means we are all given um, a record of charges. We are indebted to the Lord God because of our sins. And that debt cannot be paid by our good works. Whatever we do, we cannot pay that kind of debt. But Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross and was resurrected, He canceled all our debts. When we trusted in what he did on the cross, his finished work on the cross. So he canceled the record of the charges against us and he did that by nailing it to the cross. So when he died on the cross and he extended his arms like that, all our sins are upon Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because at that point in time, Jesus Christ took all the sins of the world. And it's a heavy burden. Just imagine yourself just carrying the burden of your own sin. But more than that, if you carry all the, the burdens of sin of all people in the world, all 8 billion people, that will be very, very heavy upon your life. And Jesus Christ did that to all of us by nailing all our sins to the cross. Okay. Remember, the word cross is, is a picture of death. Okay, So when he nailed all our sins on the cross, he canceled all our death and he conquered our death also. Okay, And then last one here in verse 15, he also condemned the enemy. Verse 15, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in end. So in this way, when he, Jesus Christ, died on the cross and resurrected, he disarmed. Okay, so that's what he means by having spoiled. He disarmed okay? all the uh, weapons of the enemy, whatever they are using to people, especially to Christians, have been taken away by the Lord Jesus Christ. Those spiritual authorities, 
from the enemy, the, his demons, and everything else, God had already disarmed them when Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. And not only that, he shamed them. That's what it means by making a show of them openly. He shamed them publicly when he became victorious over them on the cross. Okay? So when Jesus Christ died on, died on the cross and was resurrected, he declared victory. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. We have victory over sin. We have victory over death. There's no more sting of death because no Christian will ultimately die spiritually. We will die physically, but we will be resurrected by the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back for each one of us. So in this way, he condemned the enemy. And these four things that we have discussed here in this um, section is all about our identity Christ. Because if we don't know our identity in Christ, then we will doubt our salvation. Then we will be discouraged. We will be easily swayed by false teachings. So in order for us to understand completely our identity in Christ, we need to understand that Jesus Christ changed our hearts. That Jesus Christ is already victorious over death. He canceled our death in sin, uh, of sin. And also, he already condemned the enemy. That means he defeated the enemy completely. We are already victorious. There are still times that we may, we may think that we are defeated, but ultimately we know that our Lord Jesus Christ is the victor. He is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords. So, for us modern-day Christians, we should not be discouraged knowing that in Christ we are completely changed that in Christ we can have all the confidence in the world to remain to the faithful and true teachings of the word of God and to remain in Jesus Christ we can we can preach the good news we can um, be courageous we can be bold in telling people about their sins because we know that God has saved each one of us. And our identity in Christ is so important, especially nowadays. If you are not rooted in your identity in Christ, that will be very difficult. But of course, we are here for one another. We pray for one another so that we can ultimately understand that our identity in Christ is not based on what other people say, or what people, other people think about us, or what we even think about ourselves. Our identity in Christ is based on what the Lord God sees us, how He views us as His children. And His view of us is not based on our characteristics, not based on our profession, not based on our qualities, but it is based on Jesus Christ. Because remember, when, when we accepted Jesus Christ, we put on His robe. We put on His righteousness. So right now, the Lord God is looking at us and seeing Jesus Christ in each one of us. That's why we need to be confident. We need to be bold because the Lord God is looking at us as His sons and daughters. Lastly also, in here in verse 15, the Lord Jesus Christ confirmed our victory, okay? Triumphing over them in it. So, so he is already triumphant. 
He confirmed our victory already. So we are victorious. We should not live a life that is defeated. Now, we are already victorious. The moment that we come to Christ and receive Him as our Lord and Savior, we are already victors. We are conquerors. Paul said in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors because of Him who loves us, and that is Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, how can we continue to walk? Remember, our topic is about learning to walk with Christ and continuing that walk and that lifestyle all throughout our life until we see Him face to face. First, we deepen our intimacy. And how do we deepen our intimacy? Reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God, fellowshipping with other believers, having Bible study with other members of our church or with other Christians. That's how we deepen our intimacy. Secondly, be satisfied in Christ alone because we know that we can never be satisfied with anything in this world. It's only Jesus Christ who can give us the fulfillment. Okay? People would say, you need to be successful. And for them, being successful is having all those titles after their names or having lots of money or having beautiful possessions. But the Bible says, in order for you to, to be fulfilled and to be satisfied, you need to have Christ alone as your God. And you don't have to have any other idols. Lastly, always depend on your identity in Christ. Know that God loves you so much that God has fearfully and wonderfully made you and He calls you as His son and daughter, as His child in His kingdom. That's your identity in Christ. It's not dictated by other people. It's not dictated by you or anybody else but it depends on your personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So, let us close in prayer. And next week, we're going to look at verse 16 of chapter 2 until chapter 3, verse 4. So, we'll be almost finished uh, probably in the next few weeks. And uh, hopefully, uh, we have been learning so much from this book of Colossians. So, let us close in prayer first and then we'll ask Brother Aaron to share his um, seven arrows. Dear God, thank you for reminding us again that as Christians, we continue to learn to walk. And that means that we will continue in our lifestyle of following the example of Christ as laid down in the Bible. Help us, Lord, to continue to deepen our relationship with Him by studying Your Word and applying it. Help us also, Lord, to, to be fulfilled only in Christ and Christ alone. That all other things that we have right now in our possessions, even our personal relationships with other people, with our spouses, with our families, would not be more important than our relationship with Christ because He's the only one who can give us complete fulfillment. And lastly, Lord, we would like to thank you for helping us understand our identity in Christ, that we are already victorious, that the enemy has been defeated, that you have changed us, you have made us new creatures, and now we have a new lifestyle that is based and dependent 
on how the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us in His Word. So help us, Lord, to continue to walk with Him and in Him, Him being our only source of nourishment, He being our only God, and that we will remove any idol in our life. Help us, Lord, to be bold and to be confident, knowing that you see us as your child. You see us as your sons and daughters in the kingdom, and you love us so much. Thank you, Lord, again, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.